we didn't acquire a running back in the first round. We acquired an elite weapon to keep our offense explosive in the first round. Uh, we didn't acquire an inside linebacker in the first round. We acquired a, a legit anchor to elevate our defense in the first round. So um, that, that that's what the ultimate goal is. That's what our vision is. And uh, we couldn't be more excited uh, with how the weekend went. Chalk with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh -huh. Chalk with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of The Fizz. Thank you all for joining us. We're here on another, another rainy Tuesday evening post-draft. I'm here with the main dudes. Channy football to my left. How we doing, Channy? Doing great, Frank. Doing great. Glad to be back. Fifth month of the year. Let's get after it. Absolutely. Ice cold brew Lou with me as well. Football season starting for him with his team. Doing that stuff. How are we doing, brother? Doing good, baby. Uh, getting in some some speed, conditioning, all that good stuff for the boys over at Stony Creek. Ready for this uh, weather to turn around. It looks like it's going to be nice this weekend, though. I'm, uh, I'm over the rain now. What, what do you got for us? I know you got the full report for the weekend. Yep. So uh, tomorrow's looking like low 50s. Going to have some rain accumulation in the morning. Um, after like 12 o'clock, we should be pretty clear skies, low 50s. Thursday's looking like a nice mild day. Partly cloudy, about 52, 53 at the peak, and wow. then just keeps getting warmer. Friday, we're looking at closer to 60. Saturday and Sunday, we got 60 degrees, boys. Fuck yeah, we're ramping up. Chandler, traffic. Traffic. So traffic, you know, we're heading into construction season right now. You know Michigan, when the sun comes out, the orange barrels come out. Funny. So keep an eye, I-75, always under construction, mound, same deal. I love it. I love it. I think we're just going straight news now. Quick hitters and quick hitters. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so any any news from your boys this weekend? Anything anything to report? Yeah, so I got something to bring up. Um, I went to a diaper party this weekend. Okay. So first thought is I, I actually like diaper parties. I feel like it's the baby shower for the man. Yeah. Um, you do the baby shower for the woman. You, you get all dressed up. You get your gifts. You open them. You pretend to be excited. I feel like every guy for their first child should have a diaper party. Okay. It's like a send-off for you, a bachelor party per se. Yeah. So we went um, went to, it was actually one of my coworkers, had a really good time, drank a lot of beer, um, you know, had pizza, barbecue, the whole nine yards. But I just thought, do you guys go to a lot of diaper parties? And what's your thoughts on diaper parties? Is it like, ah, it's too over the top? Or is it like... Hey, it's a good excuse to get together, drink beers, and act like idiots. I'll I'll be honest. Uh, now that you're kind of talking about this, you know, I think the the term diaper party just kind of doesn't sit well. But like the one I went to, I think I've been to one or two. I, I mean, I just like drank a ton. Mm -hmm. Like all we did, like we walked in the door, uh, my buddy's house. Like you throw probably the wrong size of diaper at him. Like it doesn't matter. Like you just throw a <laughs> diaper into this giant pile of diapers that every guy picked up at CVS on the way to the house. <laughs> and then like, we just drank a hundred beers and then went full lane. Like there was nothing, you know, baby shower ish about it. So that's why I think it's great. It's just kind of like, 
uh, it's kind of a half-assed excuse to just get the guys together before you have, like, it's a bachelor party before you have a kid, exactly what you said. Amen. Yeah. Nice, nice. I've actually never, the only diaper party I've ever been to was after I got Taco Bell at midnight. Nice. Um, other there. than that, I haven't haven't been to any diaper parties. Um, they sound like a pretty good time, though. I'm not against them, just have, haven't had the experience yet. Well, it's kind of like a win, win-win. You know, it's an easy sell for your wife because it's like, look, we're going to get like we're thousands, doing it for the baby. thousands of dollars of diapers. And it's not like, hey, dude, I can't make it. Like, you know, no guy's like, hey, that's pretty fucked up that Tom didn't make it to my fucking <laughs> right, diaper right. party. It's not like a shower where there's like an invite. It's just a shitty group text that's like, hey, I'm having the guys over. And if you bring diapers, that's cool. Right. Yeah. If not, bring beer. Actually, I'll have it. Yeah. But either way, it was a good get together. I've been going to a, a little bit more diaper parties where I cross the line. And maybe I'm wrong in this is it's for the first kid. After that, you're on your own. Okay. It's much like a shower. You don't have a baby shower for your second. Yeah. You don't have a wedding shower on your second marriage. Mm-hmm. You get one diaper party, and your only chance is before the first baby. You think so? That's that's my take on it. I just think it's so low barrier to entry. You know, it's like with a shower, it's like rent a banquet hall. Pay for like food. A registry. Yeah. There's like a formal aspect to it. Uh, it's just really expensive. Diaper like, party is just like a pretty name for us getting together yeah. and having some drinks right. and hitting the bar, right? Well, yeah. I guess if your your marriage or your relationship sucks or the first kid really took a toll on you, maybe you do need a diaper party for the second one. You know, it doesn't have to be all negative. You could just want to see the guys and like save some money. You know, it takes a village. Save some money on these diapies. Sure, sure. Whatever. Yeah. I guess one is one and done for Chandler. That's, that's, where, he, that's where he draws the line. The no war diaper party. <laughs> Checking back in. Um, well, cool. Channy, anything? Oh, wait, you were the diaper party. What do yeah. you have? Uh, I had a pretty, pretty chill weekend Friday. We had a fundraiser for, uh, for the football team over at Stony Creek. We nice. raised, uh, yeah, it was actually derby themed, which I know we're going to touch on today. Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend. Yeah. Um, we raised about a little over $20,000. Wow. So yeah, it was a good, Congrats. really good, really good event. Um, pretty cool. Like you, the, the people who came were all, it was all parents. There was none of the, the athletes there. And you got to buy a horse. If your horse won, you won X amount of dollars. And then you could also bet on the horses throughout the race. And it was like a 50-50. So if you bet 20 bucks, you won 10 bucks if your horse came in. It's a good time. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It kept everyone engaged the whole time. Better than like silent auction and that type of shit. So something a little bit different. Would you you say what horses were you looking at? Or like what what was racing? So they actually had all these the races pre-recorded okay. and people could buy there was 10 horses for each race. You could buy a horse for 50 bucks and name the horse whatever you wanted to. All the winners were already picked though throughout there was 10 different races. Yeah. And if your horse won, you won 100 bucks and then you could also bet on the other horses in that race. Nice. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. How many parents were trying to grease your your palms with some like, hey, let Timmy start at ride receiver this oh, year? Oh, there was some the of those. Yeah. It was a, it was fully open bar, so okay. it got very very <laughs> interesting by like race four or five. Yeah, um, but it was it was a good time. It, there was a little bit of grease going on. You know what? My hands are clean. And though. these are pre recorded. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there is. Yeah, there so is. there was only one guy that knew the actual winners throughout the guy who set up the whole thing. Uh, so he, he says, yeah, right. <laughs> I bet you that guy's hands had to be dripping. So we raised like 21,000 ish. He probably took home 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like, were, were any parents like pressuring you? Like, Hey, I know your receivers coach Lou. 
Is Billy going to get the starting role? How is he looking early in camp? There wasn't anything too crazy. There was a couple little like nudges where it was like trying to be a joke, but like you could tell they were being serious. And and it's only May. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, buddy, fucking Jerry sucks. He ain't playing. (laughs) Hell. Because yeah. I was a couple gin and tonics deep during all this, too, mind you. You know, no I way. wasn't sober, Sally. Yeah, yeah. no, that's weird. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of wild. Betting and drinking, and you drink a little bit? Yeah, yeah, you know, that's what I do. Good stuff. Well, speaking of betting and sports and all that fun stuff, NHL playoffs this weekend, first round. Holy did, game seven. Did not disappoint. No. Uh, pretty, pretty good stuff. Um, and the reason I mentioned the betting is because – Boston Bruins, headliner, they're dead. The Abs, defending cup champs, they're dead. Rangers, sexiest pick outside of Boston in the East, I would say. Maybe maybe Carolina. They're dead, too. Uh, and Chandler informed us of a little betting stat that these three teams were the highest bet. The most money were on all three of these teams, right? All three of these teams, most bet teams. Was it? And did, do you know if that was like for the series or just game seven? No, that was to win the cup. So the biggest oh, no liabilities way. to win the cup. Uh, on MGM Sportsbook was in order Bruins, Rangers, Avalanche. That's crazy. I mean, that's NHL playoff hockey to a fucking T. Yeah, right? yeah, almost like too much. I kind of feel like the NHL is like, all right, calm it down. We need a couple fucking big <laughs> yeah, dogs need, yeah. out there. So It's like the NCAA tournament, right? All the big dogs are gone. Literally. Um, Boston being dead, though, uh, cannot be overlooked. I do want to talk about that with you guys. Um, that game was crazy. Crazy fucking game. Unreal. Dude, so... Boston, the best team in regular season history. I mean, 65 wins. That's literally unfucking heard of. I think it was, I'm going to get the math wrong, but I think it was like, uh, I think it was 12 losses total, like 65. And then like they had 12 like uh, regulation losses. And then I think like five overtime losses. Um, they go down to the Florida fucking Panthers who were 40 points less than them, 20 wins less than them, and they were up three games to one in the series, lose in their own barn with a one-goal lead with a minute left. It is hard to get worse than that. It's it's tough, a tough look. What is it, 10 straight years the President's Cup winner has not won the Stanley Cup? Yeah, I think of all the seasons, it's only won uh, since the President. Trophy was a thing. I think it's uh, been. I think it's been given out like forty times, and the cup winner's been eight times, that's, something like that. That's wild. So the the thing that I kept looking back on because I did watch a decent amount of playoff hockey so far is: Do you remember when the Panthers used to score a goal and they used to throw rats on the ice? Absolutely. How was that ever fucking allowed? Well, it was the rubber rats, right? But it was like it, they cleaned it up after every goal. You just threw thousands of rats they onto the ice, dude. When you're winning, no one gives a shit. <laughs> and then and that was like the only time that stadium's ever been filled. And then what was the goalie's name? Van Van Beesbrook. Van Beesbrook. He had I can remember he had every vowel in his last John, name. John Van Beesbrook. So why I'm bringing this up is that's like I felt the last time that. Florida was actually relevant mm-hmm. in the NHL. So to see them kind of brought a little bit of my childhood back, but I'm not much of a hockey guy, but just looking at how Kachuk plays, I know he played well in the all-star game when they had it down in South Florida, played well in this series. Um, it's good to see a team like that with a young star like that be kind of the, the powerhouse with many stars in the Bruins. So um, that was just alarming, especially for Boston, who throughout our time – They've always won the big games. Oh, yeah. They've yeah. won the Stanley Cups. They're kind of – I don't want to compare them to the Warriors, but 
they're they're that steady, old, reliable. Hey, when a game's going to get tough, when you need to bet a team to win a game seven, you're going with Boston. And this kind of young, upcoming, irrelevant team for the past 20 years ended up clipping them late in the game. Pretty crazy, too. I mean, Florida scores an empty net goal with 40 seconds left. So they have all the momentum going into overtime. And then Boston, like the first or second shift, Bergeron hits the knob of the goalie's stick. So fucking crazy. And makes the save. And then they end up going down and scoring a couple minutes later, Florida. Well, and watching that overtime, uh, it was one of those overtimes where you're like, Florida just wants this way more. They were all over. They were giving it to them. Yeah. Um, But that thing off the knob of the stick, like nothing more frustrating as a shooter. I'd rather hit the post like 10 out of 10 times. No question. Because that stick is just like, it's just floating there. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Speaking of... uh, Florida being rats and ratty behavior. Did you guys see that uh, they're putting a cap on the number of tickets that can be sold outside of the U.S. I for saw, the Toronto I saw that series? Too. So I like a, they do that a lot, of, a lot of times, right? I don't know. I feel like that's been done a few different times. I don't know. For some reason, it feels like it. I mean, maybe it's different just because it's Toronto in the second round and they've never been here. So, like, you know, it's a little making a little more uh, headlines. But a couple of people like DM me and were like, "What do you think of this? What do you think of this?" And I was just kind of like, "I don't know." House rules, like, right? Hey, tough go. Yeah, and like I don't like Toronto at all, so like fuck them, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, should be a good second round there. Uh, Pizzo, hats off to you, the Seattle fucking Kraken. You're the only one. I kind of laughed at you when you picked them over the Avs. They win two to one uh, over the uh, over the Avs. Pretty wild game to uh, McKinnon scores a goal to make it tied 2-2, gets called back for an offsides. Guy was offsides by like a foot. It was definitely the right call, but just another crazy game. Yeah, I hate that fucking rule. That's so soccer of hockey. Soccer, you can go back and like call it offsides 30 seconds prior. Like hockey's doing that all the time now. Like it just, if you call it in the time or if the coach throws the challenge, I agree with it, but like, they're going back and looking on every play, and it sometimes it's 15 to 20 seconds before the goal scored. Mm-hmm. And I understand that that's what got them into the zone, but like enough is enough. Like You're going to miss calls in this game, and unless you automate officiating, let the game play out as it should. I think it was – I don't hate it where it's at now. It was terrible two years – a year ago, two years ago, yeah. before they implemented the penalty rule for challenging if you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Because it was just like – I hate that, like, well, fuck it. Let's just challenge right, because that's, that's right. our, last, thing that's our last ditch effort. Um, so I do agree with you, Channy. Like, it is it is part of the game. But, like, it is tough to, like, with offsides, it's like, if it's egregious. And it was the right call. Yeah. Right. You know, so. You know, I think the goalie interference is way, way worse because no one even knows what the fuck it is. Right. You know, it's like, what's a catch in the NFL? Uh you tell me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the last one on the list, the Rangers are dead. Didn't even show up for their own funeral. That was also my Stanley Cup pick, so. The Rangers? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, fucking, I think I told you guys uh, I had the Devils. That's right. And then, like, the NHL bracket stayed open for two days, and I loved what Tampa was doing, so I switched it to Tampa, but whatever. So uh, the Rangers lose to the Devils. That's got to be tough on the ego. Battle of the Hudson River there. Uh, I will say Jersey looked like fucking electric. Uh, they're they're a fun team to watch. Um, and we got a good good second round on our hands. Love the NHL playoffs. Uh, but just couldn't believe the Rangers got completely shut out. Um, but that's how she goes. So that's that's what I got on uh, the hockey side of things. And those games fire up tonight, actually, like in 45 minutes. So there we be, go. Should be pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to this next round. Uh, dude, I just I kind of wonder. One thing I want to look at big time was you saw Toronto's fans chanting, we want Florida. We want Florida. 
I just hope that, like, comes back to haunt him so much. I hope that's playing on repeat in Florida's locker room because, like, every year with these NHL playoffs, there's always some fucking 7-8 seed that makes it to the conference finals. I'm with you, too, and, and I hope Florida does it. I'm just nervous that, like, they won their Stanley Cup beating Boston. Like, they, you know what I mean? Like, they just thought there was no – like, I know the guys in that locker room, they thought they could win that game, but everybody else didn't. Yeah. And it just feels like that was just – that's a fucking grueling seven games playing Boston that many times. Like, that game was rough. Oh, I know? totally agree. But sometimes it's like, you know, it, you oh, I think that, and then sometimes it's just – they got that it factor and they got that momentum and they just, they're going to roll in and you know, you're not wrong. Yeah. So it'll be good. We got Panthers, Leafs, Kraken, Stars, Devils, Canes. That'll be fun. Uh, Oilers, Golden Knights. Yeah. I like, uh, what I like about it is I think the most recent team out of the eight remaining to win the cup is the Hurricanes. Yep. They won it in 05, 06. There's a couple teams, obviously a couple are expansion teams or newer teams between the Kraken, the Golden Knights and the, the Panthers, who have never won it. And then you've got the Leafs, who haven't won it since 1960. So you're going to see a new team, at least a team that hasn't won it in 16 years, win it. And you've got some cool new hockey cities, new hockey fan bases, or newer hockey fan bases that are really going to get to feel it cracking. Obviously, Vegas been there the, the last couple of years. But as I touched on earlier, Florida back in the thick of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Charlotte as a hockey market. I mean, Charlotte's right. back. And then you got the powerhouse hockey markets where they live for it. Toronto, Edmonton, New Jersey's been a powerhouse. The stars have been have been there at least. Yeah. So yeah, it'll Batman, be interesting. Batman's got to be just like whacking it. I Another, mean, I'm sure he probably wanted Boston to win just to have like, Boston, Toronto. Yeah, right? and just to like have that fucking media circus keep yes, keep running. For sure. But I mean, he's got to just be like loving fucking Vegas, cracking. I mean, the one know. the one cool thing for for us Americans though in the Florida Boston game, we get the two best American hockey players going head to head in Matthew Tuchuk and Austin Matthews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. With Florida, yeah, Florida Toronto. Um, yeah, should be good. Looking forward to it. Good shit. Um, I think we got what do we got next? We got bad news on the on the docket. Well, right? well, well. The bad news, uh, you know. We, we tell the good, and we also deliver the bad. And this week, Spartan Nation, we've got some bad news to deliver. You all have heard it, uh, the transfer portal situation. So if there is any silver lining into this today, Charles Brantley, the cornerback who put his name in the portal, did remove himself from the portal. So Charles Brantley is going to be back in East Lansing. But the headlines that came out over the weekend, Keon Coleman, Peyton Thorne, both entering their names to the transfer portal. A lot of speculation, um, a lot of articles that I've read on Michigan State beat writers have said that Keon Coleman put it in first and that Peyton Thorne actually put in his name into the transfer portal might help his chances. Thorne's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any three of us or anyone in That's Spartan fine. Nation We'll is, see you later, brother. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're really too uh, butthurt about uh, Peyton Thorne going into the transfer portal. I don't think he was going to win the starting job anyway. Mm-hmm. Keon Coleman, that's a gut punch. Yeah. Um, he's probably one of our only NFL players on the team. He's probably the best player on the he's team. He's the best player that on one the team. Hurt. He dominated last year. Um, he's 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 everything on our offense right now. Um, again, I'm looking up reports right now. Um, people saying he met with Tucker this week. People saying that the door is still open to him coming back. Um, but a big shadow on his chances coming back are him going to LSU as he is a Louisiana native. And oh, that seems to be 
one of the front runners to landing <laughs> Fuck. Keon Coleman. We're, we're toast. Yeah, we're toast. Who feels good about that situation? So my question, Nobody. my question for you guys is, is like, what's the the hot seat scale? I know we did it last year during the season on Tucker. Frank, I'm going to ask you first. One to ten. Ten, he's burning his ass on third degree burns. One, he's sitting on an ice cube. So let me ask you some questions to help me out. Okay. Okay. So we signed Mel. So this will be his fourth season, right? Yes, but it'll be his second since his extension. The second since the extent. So we we got Mel. We started. We had the. It was COVID, right? Was that co- his first yes. year? Was the COVID year? COVID right? year was first. Three year. and five, whatever it was. Yeah, who cares? two who and cares? four. But, be- shit. but did beat Michigan, right? Like, right. Whatever. You gotta you gotta check that box. Then we go uh, Kenneth Walker, eleven and whatever Blow the hell it is. greatest yep. greatest shit ever. Um, and then last year was just a fucking five and seven. Yeah, very confused. He's wearing shorts. He's sweating, looking nervous. A lot of claps. A lot of chops. Um, and a lot then of isms. Yeah, and then the <laughs> extension. Now he has what nine years left? Eight years left? Like I you think said, it's eight years left. Yeah, Nin- ninety-five million. Yes. Um, now one thing to kind of question, I guess, is do you get either of you know how this like money situation's structured? Because isn't like the university not paying it? Isn't it just? Um, it's mostly uh, it's not like Gilbert, it's like, it's but Ishba, uh, Ishba, Ishba, yeah, Ishba yeah. and uh, and like the guy who owns Shift Digital, Saint Saint. I'm blanking on his name, but um, it's those guys, right? Yeah. So I don't know how that works, right? Like I don't know if that's a guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract. I don't know how much pressure these outside people put on to keep him or what that looks like because that is no small chunk of change. Um, if it's the university's money and it's fully guaranteed, I just think that piece like needs to be thought about. I don't fully understand it. You know, like who's putting pressure on who to stay where, but as far as this hot seat goes, like I, I unfortunately don't think it's as hot as probably Spartan fans would like just because of the massive investment they made into him and just like praying to God, it comes together. Um, so I'm going to say like another year, like last year, uh, I think he's got at least two more years. I think he's got at least two more years, even if he has a year like he did last year, two years in a row. So hot seat, one to ten. Four. Four. Lou, and then side note. I'm not saying that's correct. I just think that's the that's reality. That's what it is. Sure. Yeah, and that's what I'm asking yeah. is the reality of the situation. Ishbia and St. Andre will uh, contribute 24 out of the $95 million salary to him. So MSU on the hook for $71 million. Okay. Over the next 10 and, years. And is this all guaranteed? Uh, is I that think how it, that works? Yeah, I think they all are yeah, guaranteed. It's not a football contract. Yeah, like, it's right, not a player right, football right. contract. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's guaranteed. Jesus. So, Lou, 1 to 10, what is the hot seat at for Mel Tucker right now? I think it's a little bit warmer than what Frank has it at, but I but I agree with a lot with what you've said. I mean, I don't think it matter. Like, it does matter, but this year he's – not going to be fired after this year, no matter what happens. Unless he lost every single game, maybe. Maybe, maybe. right. But, I, I mean, this year, realistically, we're looking at another four or five win season on yes. paper. You yes. know? Um, and then next year, if he doesn't break 500, I think that there could start be talks about, like, hey, we got to find somebody else. I'm going to put him at a six right now. I agree. The other thing, too, is just, like, not hearing good noise. Like, we're not, we're not hearing any – any good news. I haven't heard any <laughs> stars. I mean, yes. Not a one star, two star, three, four. We saw the email from Grand Valley or whatever that was. Right, like, yeah. Like, we're like emailing guys at Grand Valley to play for us. And he didn't even accept. We just made him an offer. Right. Is the, the 2024 class, I believe, has four commits right now. Four. Four commits. Now, this year's class was a top 25 class, which for MSU standards is, is good. Um, but four commits 
and you've got basically a year to sure up your class. Uh, by comparison, I believe Michigan has 11 four or five stars committed for their 2024 class. Yeah, it's bad. Especially when it's like, oh, I don't know if Tuck can coach that well, but he's like a master recruiter. So when you're not hearing either of them, I mean, What's Jesus going on? Christ, this I went south fast. Yeah, it did. <laughs> real quick, real quick. The good thing is he had a really bad first year. No one expected anything of him. Hit struck gold last year. Then the expectations came. Maybe MSU, it seems like they're always better basketball or football when they have no expectations. Yep. I feel like every year when Kalen Lucas and Darrell Summers we were there at school. It was our sophomore year. We were going to roll through. We were number one preseason. What happened? They got bounced in the first round by UCLA that year. Yep. Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson. Every year, Denzel Valentine, Matt Costello. Yep. Every Middle year Tennessee, we have expectations. We underperform as a university. So maybe it's not the worst thing that we don't have expectations this year. Yeah, especially with football too. Like People forget I think we started this season in the – what top, top 15? 15 yep that's hilarious i mean yep. if we didn't have kenneth walker like are, we're having a totally different conversation about mel tucker right now yeah you know 100 percent. i mean i used to hate seeing that uh like kenneth walker got mel tucker paid and now it's ju it's just actually a fact it's not right it's 100 <laughs> percent. it's just, it's just quite literally the fact of it i just have one thing to say boys yeah uh, keep chopping keep well chopping. i got one thing to say deep water uh i got one thing to say like What's the other one? Dog Nation. Tuck no, coming. Tuck woodshed. coming. Tuck, oh, the woodshed. Yeah, the woodshed. Okay. yeah. So seriously, there's there's deep water. There's chopping. There's uh, there's the, the there's woodshed. Spart there's the Spartan dogs. There's the woodshed, and then there's Tuck coming. That's fucking five things. And I'm pretty sure we're missing one because wasn't. I think before we played uh, Washington, we were like take flight. Remember they like took all these pictures at like a flight hangar and shit. I don't know. Who cares? He's way more into his fucking. No more isms. Yeah, we got to stop. That's the rule for 2023. Just win. <laughs> Not one more fucking ism. <laughs> one more quick hitter. Uh, are we done with MSU? Because I'm done with MSU. I'm done. Yes. Yeah, I'm sick of it. Uh, <laughs> just have to note here that more bad news. More bad news. <laughs> more depressing news on this dreary fucking Tuesday. Uh, Scherzer and Verlander are back in town uh, as the Mets take on the Tigers, and they're going to make back-to-back -back starts on Wednesday and Thursday, I believe. Scherzer coming off of his 10-game uh, suspension for rubbing that shit on his hands, allegedly. <laughs> and, uh, and then Justin Verlander is actually making his first start of the season after, what did he have, Channy? Do you know? Do you have a surgery of some he, sort? Something with his elbow or shoulder, I want to say. Okay. Um, it wasn't It wasn't a surgery. It was like a tweak. Gotcha. Yep. Um, but I wanted to play you guys this little clip. So, obviously, Verlander's, like, in town, and they're asking him all the questions about, you know, how was your time in Detroit? So, here's, like, a little uh, minute 40 clip for you. Here, I'm going to get it going. One hell of a run, you know. Um, it was, I mean, from, from, like, the Cinderella story of 2006, you know, through the, you know, really just year in and year out the team was a juggernaut and um, going deep in the playoffs every year and you know Mr. Mr. I was doing anything he could to put an unbelievable product on the field uh, I mean what a time to be a not only a player for the Tigers organization but a fan um, you know it was just a uh, you know you said the glory days it was I, I mean it was it was Felt like that as a player too. I mean, it was just so fun um, to be part of it. Does it kind of shock you how I guess down they've been since you left? I mean, you left in 2017, and they started trading away guys, and haven't made the playoffs since you were on that 14 team. 
I don't know, man. I just, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, it doesn't surprise me. No, I mean, um, I think everybody kind of saw it, saw it coming as, as pieces started to be traded away. Um, you know, I'm always rooting for the best for the organization, though, and um, you know, it seems like they're bringing some pieces to, to start turning things around. How are, you the same? how are you the same, and how are you different? Um, you won a World I mean, Series. Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty Fuck similar. Vila. Um, Listen to this, though. You know, like pitching wise, a similar arsenal. Um, you know, I have a little more. I got more information as I left with analytics. You know, obviously went from like zero to hundred going from Detroit to Houston at the time. You know, back in seventeen. I don't know how they are now. Um, That's pretty much the, the last piece I wanted to throw in there. Is like Detroit Tigers are notoriously known for using no analytics. I mean, maybe now that Harris is around, but I just thought it was kind of funny how he literally said it was zero to a hundred of the analytics going from Detroit to Houston. Um, and that just, that whole interview just depressed the living hell out of me. I mean, how archaic, not only are, is our analytics department behind, which we heard rumblings of, but w have we ever signed a good international player ever signed one? Yeah. Like all these teams, Juan Soto gets signed. Fernando Tatis gets signed. Mm -hmm. um, all these good teams go into these Latin American countries and sign young – look at Cabrera. Yeah. Marlon signed him out of there. There's so many good players, Dominguez, that the Yankees have coming up now. But we've never had that, just like we've never had analytics. And I think to his point, he said, well, we knew it was coming in 2017 when we were trading all the pieces away. What we didn't know is that not one piece from any of those trades would amount to fucking anything. And like literally anything. Like like a thing. Like just a a normal everyday starter a in the A single hit in the MLB. <laughs> like it's kind of almost to that point though. It's very close. Yes. Outside of Candelario, I don't think we got anything for any of those guys. Scherzer, um How? Uh, JD, Verlander, none of those guys. Price, nothing. it's insane. Price, nothing. It's 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 insane. Didn't didn't when JD went to Boston too? He like totally ripped on the hitting coach from the Tigers as well, based on like analytics stuff too. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that happened, regardless. But yeah, shitty coaching. JD hurt my stomach, dude. He was my that, favorite Tiger. Yeah, that one hurt just because it was like, oh, we're we're going, we're stripping her down. Like yeah. we're, we're officially like, I mean, obviously JV was like the major move, but like when JD went, it was like, fuck. Well, the worst part about all of it, in my opinion, <laughs> is the worst part of everything, even the bad return or anything. Like these guys didn't have a couple good years after we traded them. And then like, ah, they got old. They, they kind of grew out of their prime. Like Verlander's arguably still in his prime. Like Ver Verlander is, Going to be argued, has an argument for the greatest pitcher of all time. Of all time. Of all time. And he did a lot of that damage post-Tigers. Now, he did a lot during the with the Tigers, but he won a Cy Young without the Tigers. Yep. He won two World Series yep. without the Tigers. Max Scherzer won a World Series without I, the Tigers. I think he snuck in another no-hitter. Yes. Yeah. Right? He snuck in a no-hitter. Um, JD, World JD Series. Did, JD won a World Series, <laughs> I believe. Sanchez. Scherzer. I mean, I mean, everybody. Ian Kinsler. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's insane how how every part of that era, the Alavila era, nothing worked out. Well, and it was just, it's ridiculous to look back on it now. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, But, like, to strip that team down because it didn't have what it t took to get to, like, the next level because these guys are, like, getting older. It's like, you could have kept 
a core of Verlander, Scherzer, JD Martinez, and a couple other pieces, and like at least we'd have a pulse out. We would have been a playoff team. That's what I mean. Or at least fight for our shitty division. Uh I mean, can you imagine if from the year we got rid of Scherzer and Verlander, like if we kept those guys throughout their career, we'd have we'd have a two exciting starters, you know, two out of five days, two out of seven days of the week at least, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just we just have fucking nothing right now. So tomorrow, Thursday, Verlander and Scherzer start outside of opening day and Cabrera's last game. Are these going to be the two most attended games of the year at Comerica? If it gets nicer out. What if it doesn't? Uh, then Mickey's last game is going to be okay. number one. It's kind of an unfair thing to put in there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say, yeah, but I would say, like, outside of the two bookend games there, yeah. Yeah. Because with Mickey's 500, <clears throat> was it? Yeah, his 500 home run, uh, though I was at uh, the games where, or was it his fucking hits? 3,000 hits, 3,000 hits. I'm trying to remember what I was chasing. Um. But uh, I think it was 3,000 hits. I think it was the hits. Yeah, yeah it was the hits because he went three for four on the Thursday night, and then I went Friday again, and th- that place was packed. It was fun. That's sweet. Yeah. Missed those days down at Comerica. Dude, when the Tigers are good, man. It's, it's a great time. It's a great time in summer. You want to do the Derby? Derby, boys. Derby talk. Let's, uh, let's talk about it, you know. Coming up this Saturday, the annual Kentucky Derby, which all three of us have had the pleasure of attending. Frank, more recently than Chandler and I, uh, we were down there in 2014 when California Chrome won. He was a, a pretty big favorite to win the Triple Crown. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Triple Crown is the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, and the Belmont. Um, and California Chrome ended up losing in the Belmont, won the Preakness in the Derby. Um, and ended up being the most earnings ever won by a North American horse, which is pretty cool. Regardless of all that shit, the actual derby rolling into that tunnel. Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. That was like the tunnel of death. It kind of reminded me of like going to Windsor, but but on foot. (laughs) (laughs) And there was, I mean, at least 100,000 people on foot walking through the tunnel and it's dark, and right when you get to the the end or the exit of the tunnel, it's just a bright light, and you walk out, and it's just like smacks you in the face. Yeah. It's like heaven on earth. Yeah, full gore. Here we are. You got your people in the infield who are absolutely shit faced, rolling around in the dirt, acting like idiots, dressed all crazy. I know when we went, we wore basketball and football jerseys with blazers over the top of them. Classy stuff. Yeah. So we we had the blazers on still. Um, but kept it fun underneath and, uh, and we were just, we were hammering and we were having a great time. I never had a chance to see the Derby from the outside, which I imagine is a whole different experience. Yeah. What um, do you mean? Like from the outside, like in like the city? In, in the stands? Oh, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause yeah, we yeah. were on the infield in right. the middle of it. Where were you at when you were there? Oh buddy, I was at the infield. Yeah. So yeah. Kentucky Derby. I went for the first time last year. I know you guys went 2014. So, you know, fucking eight years apart, little different, little different story on yeah. as far as uh, endurance goes, I will say. Uh, but I would, I would say the Kentucky Derby went for my first time last year, absolute sports bucket list thing, real American, uh, just sporting event, a lot of tradition, a lot of history, but it's so funny. Like what you see on TV versus what's actually occurring. Like that grandstand, the outfield or whatever, you know, the grandstand area, like everyone's all dressed up. They're giving you actual glass glasses for your drinks. It's all you can eat. It's a real classy looking sporting event that looks just like kind of an upscale 
party looks awesome. And then the infield is just like mutants. Like, Shit show. It's an absolute, like, it's muddy, it's rainy, it's dirty. Uh, you guys are wearing fucking football jerseys. It's just, it's chaos. And I never really knew that until I was there. I didn't know it was just like a fucking Michigan State tailgate on the infield. There. Well, yeah. that's what I was going to say. It's a, it's a college football tailgate mixed with a festival. Yeah. That's how I described the Kentucky the Derby the infield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and like... At some points when we were in the infield, I almost felt like the races were secondary. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's just partying. There's other side shows going on. Like people are running across the top of porta potties, getting shit thrown at them. Like you can't see that well. Yeah. I mean, like, no. I don't care what you say. Right. Even if you're really dialed in and you're on, like, I think it's really cool to be on like a turn when they're coming around. Yes. You yeah. feel it. Oh, you, you can know? feel the thunder yeah. in the ground. That's the best it, part. It's awesome. Like, I think that is really cool. But, um, you know, you know, I don't know what you call them casual horse fans. You know, it's just, it's fun to bet on them and kind of see if your horse wins until it's the final couple races. Then you can watch a little bit. But, but even you're not then, like sitting there head on a swivel watching the entire track around. Like you see like a three second clip of all the horses running by. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. It's like a, a degenerate's dream. You got betting booths. You've got mint How many juleps. betting booths are in there too? Oh my, it's it's got to be hundreds. Fucking, yes. Yeah. It's got to be hundreds. They're everywhere. And then the other thing I remember is I don't know if you could even order a mixed drink outside of a mint julep. And I remember that the mint julep, they had like 30 mint juleps ready and there was just someone behind the bar yeah. constantly pouring mint juleps. And I don't remember really seeing anybody have anything outside of a mint julep. They had one like pink drink too. It was uh Oh yeah, you got that one. Um I forgot what it was called though cuz we had like 500 mint juleps. <laughs> yeah, that's all that was like all I drank. I you know, I like uh, and the food there is just it's real basic. I mean, I ate like a ton too, yeah. like the upside down grilled cheese and shit like that corn barbecue dog. sandwiches. Yeah. Yep. But uh it rocked. Like I am a little a little jealous of you guys. So when I went um, obviously it was last year I was in the infield and I was on day three of a bachelor party. I was banged up. Like I really was like, it took me a minute. Like I remember walking out of that tunnel and like seeing the chaos, like, and I felt a little, you know, you feel the energy and you're like, I got this, I'm going to beat this, you know, but it was just like, all right, we got a day in front of us boys. You know, we rallied, got it all done. It was great. But I know you guys went, fuck, you were what? 22. Yeah. 24. Yeah. 24. yeah. 24. And we drove an RV down there with 12 guys in one RV. Yeah, so we did too. Oh, you did? Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> but I was fucking 30. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have loved the, the extra energy and, uh, you know, just kind of that aspect to it. But, um, it was still like awesome. I would love to go back to the Derby, but I definitely would want to do the grandstand. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because the thing, like, if you are ever thinking of going and you're going to do the infield, um, we didn't, I don't know, maybe it's candy ass, maybe it's whatever. I would have loved to bring in, like, a folding table and, like, six chairs and, like, a bunch of shit for games. I would have just, like, because we were kind of just standing in a that, circle. Yeah, because same with us. Like, we were, yeah. you were sitting on the grass if you wanted to sit down. And they let you bring anything you want in. Like, I would have brought, like, folding tables and game stuff, and I think it would have, you know... Had a little set, like a tailgate set up in there. Right. Yeah. So I think if I were to do that, maybe I would do the infield again, only if I, you know, what, if you, what do you call it, like glamping? You know, yeah, I would just yeah. bring everything I fucking needed. One of the more surprising things for me was, do you guys remember around the track? Like, that? I, I always pictured, like, 
this is the mecca of horse racing and everyone's all dressed up and in their big hats and their pinstripe suits. And then you get outside of the stadium and or the track and you're kind of like, holy shit, we're in like a middle to lower class neighborhood. Like yes. it, it gets like pretty sketchy pretty quickly outside of the gates of Churchill Downs. Very quickly. So I, that was one of my things where I was surprised where it the aura and the image on TV is like, it's like a country club like setting it's really not once you get outside of those gates. I was like worried I wasn't going to be allowed in. And then you get in there and it's a goddamn freak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like there's like people in there who look like the front row of like NFL primetime games. You know? like, 100%. I, I was shocked at that. That's just something I didn't because all you see is like the fancy stuff. I feel like anytime if you do go to the Derby, you have to do the infield on your first go. Yeah. That's like step one. And then you move out to the grandstand. I would have loved to do it like you guys did like. At 21, do the infield. Gutters. Like, yeah. If you're in college, like, do that trip. 100%. Do that trip. It's so worth it. And it's very, ex- like, not that expensive to do. No. Oh, no. It's a yeah. very manageable trip money-wise. And yeah. very easy to get to from Metro Detroit. Louisville is obviously just on the other side of, of Ohio there in Kentucky. So, I don't know. It took our RV five and a half, six hours. It was. It's a straight shot down 75. The ride down was a lot of fun. Fucking like, awesome. Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> the ride back <laughs> was a house of horrors. You <laughs> had one buddy that was pure ghost white laying on the bunk bed, head out the window on 75 for five hours of the trip. Like He looked like he was not going to make it. <laughs> dude, that's so... Yeah, dude. I, I think I got like $20 worth of McDonald's for the ride home and ate like 50 cents worth <laughs> Three of fries. Three fries and just said like, shoot me. Um, but but it was kind of cool. The one I was at was the one last year and it was the, it was the underdog. It was Rich Strike. So... You know, say take that what you will, but it was the most under like underdog horse of all time to ever win the Kentucky Derby. Um, it was sick. I mean, it was a lot of fun, but I definitely would do the twenty one infield and then, you know, post thirty, like I bet you that grandstand's like a whole new brand of fun too. Bet you it's expensive as hell. Oh yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. So who we like this week. Obviously we're horse guys here. We big we go to guys. the track every week. We yeah. know our favorite jockeys. Yep. You know, trainers are big for us when we pick um our horses. Yep. Um names don't matter at all yeah. when we're no, picking our no. horses. I so. rode a, I rode a horse here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Frank, who do you like this week based off of pure horse racing statistics? Yeah, and that's how I do it. Just like I do my NCAA bracket, it's fully based on the analytics and the matchups and how I like them and the turf conditions, all that stuff. Uh, so picking this horse is obviously no different for me. We got some great names as always, which is, uh, which is half the fun. And I'm, I'm kind of torn between a couple here, but I keep going back to number 13 on this list. 50 to one sun thunder. Wow. ARSB, the sun God. That's exactly where my head went. You know, we had the draft. I'm, I'm loving some ARSB. So I'm taking sun God, sun thunder, 50 to one. That's my winner of the Kentucky Derby. Lou. I actually got two horses. I like here. Give Um, me as many as you like. Did did a little research. So tap it trice going off at five to one. Um, He is running in the five slot. Um, the trainer of that horse, Pletcher, has the favorite also running Forte, Matt, the old bear. Um, and the actually the, the five position has the most derby winners all time. So 10 horses have, ru- have won in that spot. So I'm going to try Tap It Trice. Um, and then the other one I like is Two Fills going off at 12 to 1. 
Um, in his last four races, he placed first, third, second, and first. I'm going to try Big Philly at 12 to 1. All right. So I've got a lot. This is my thing. I always do a trifecta box. So I always do 586. That's my area code. So I'm going to do a 586 trifecta box. That's tap it. Trice, like you said, Kings, Barnes, and Mage. Um, well, I don't wait. You're going, but you're going to go. That's just my, that's just my trifecta box. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that's that's oh, a gotcha, whole gotcha. separate. Explain bet. for the listeners, Chandler, so what, a yeah. what a trifecta box, box is. is Explain is it for me. You <laughs> have to do. You have a win, a place, and a show. That's first, second, and third in horse racing. When you box those, if you pick those three horses, they can end up in any position as long as those three are the top three. And what you want is the longer odds, so a twenty to one over a ten to one to win, because it's going to pay you out better. So you want your highest one in a try box to win with your lowest odds getting third place. That'll pay you out the most. Um, but I'm going to give a couple here as what I like. Practical move sitting at number 10. I like him a lot. Um, shout out to our buddy who just had a son, Jace. There is a Jace's Road at number 12. Um, so keep an eye on him. And my long shot is the number seven reincarnate John Velasquez, longtime jockey. He's going to be on there 50 to one. You always got to sprinkle a couple, sprinkle a couple of bucks on a long shot. So my official picks are 10 and seven for my long shot. Throw a five, eight, six try box on there. I love it. There we go. The, uh, and we didn't mention the, the most favored horse, which is Forte three to one. Matt Forte. Yeah. Matt Forte, uh, fantasy legend. Yeah, like Fantasy a couple, like legend, a couple of years. A lot of horses out there to pick from too. There's uh, there's 20 of them total in the race. So I will say some runner-up names I really like. I really like um, the one horse is Hit Show. Okay, kind I like that one. I like 14 as well. Angel of Empire. Ooh, feels right. That sounds like a video game. Yeah, a, uh, Age of Empires. There you go. Yeah, thank you. Don't get him started. And, oh, buddy. Yeah, and then uh, I also like Confidence Game. Confidence Ooh. Game at number four. It's Ooh, a hot okay. name as well. See, Lou, I thought you'd like Lord Miles. You're like a lord guy, like you like. Being... I'm your lord. I know. No, wow. you're not mine. <laughs> um, I also like. I mean, all these names are great, but Raise Kane. Raise Kane. Is that like a, a playoff of raising canes? Yeah, right. And like, what does raising cane mean? I, it, it's the, spelled the Yankees don't know. Yeah, yeah. you know. I, well, I don't know. I wonder what the origin of raising canes is. I feel like every time the horse wins, I'm like, oh my! I knew it was going to win because of the name after the race. And oh, it's same. Like, well, why didn't you bet it then? I did right. that with Rich Strike last year. I was like, how could I not have done that? <laughs> that was... All that research you did going into the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all that research. Jesus. All those drinks. Um, cool. Don't you have some trivia Good for us? Good stuff. Yeah, I was just going to say, I got, a, I got a little derby trivia for you and Chandler here to, to mix it up on the game side of things. Wow. Um, so <laughs> let's, uh, let's see how you do here. If you want to keep score, Frank, I know, uh, we're a competitive group yeah, here. We are. Big score guy. Yeah, so we, we got, uh, I'm going to ask you guys a question for, for multiple choice. One of them is correct. Wow. We have multiple choices. Multiple choice. Four. Yep. Jesus. <laughs> here we go. So the first one's kind of a layup. We already talked about it a little bit, but the signature derby drink, there is a, the mojito B, the mint julep. C, the Kentucky Mule, or D, the Bourbon Sidecar? 
Let's go. Uh, I'm going to go with B, final answer. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Pretty easy one there. Uh, there's about 120,000 mint juleps served every race day. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my, my dad said he went to the Derby like way back in the day. And uh, it was the hottest day of like any event he ever attended. And uh, like they had the actual mint in there. I, they probably made it way different back then. But he said everyone was drinking so much mint juleps and like wiping it on their face that he like thought everyone had leprosy. It was like <laughs> by the time it was done, it was just a bunch of mutants walking around. No, it's kind of crazy though. You said 120 served every year. It it holds 165,000 people. Like we must have picked up the pace for some people. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> not pulling their yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like. People aren't having one mint julep. Yeah. Or like 14 of them. Right. Like that's sacrilegious. Yeah. And I they're not so. in like huge glasses. So you can suck you those down. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. I kept my glass. And by glass, I mean the plastic cup they give you in the end. <laughs> my buddy probably used it as a spitter. <laughs> All right. Question two. All right. We're both. Name that pass derby winning horse. Oh, okay. A. I'll have another. B. Big Papa. C. Easy Rider, or D, Fast Eddie? I'm going to go with A, I'll have another. Okay. I'm going to take B, Big Papa. Okay. Chandler, you are correct. I'll have another, won the Derby in 2012. Yep. I don't remember that one. What, what do you mean, dude? You weren't yeah, dialed yeah, in? Yeah, <laughs> did everyone remember where they were? 2012, I was probably at Rick's. Junior year of college. Yeah, I was at Rick's. <laughs> Woo! Hello. Okay, next one. So all four of these horses... Are Derby winners? Only one of them is not a Triple Crown winner. So tell me which one of these did not win the Triple Crown. Got it. Mm -hmm. Number one, Justify. Or A, B, American Pharaoh. C, Mind That Bird. Or D, Affirmed. Okay. I'm going to go with, uh, wait, what was the second one? What was Pharaoh? I'll read them again for you. Uh, Justify, American Pharaoh. Mind that bird and affirmed. I'm going to go with American Pharaoh. I, for some reason, I think they lost the last race. I'm going to go with mind that bird. Number three, Chandler, you are correct. Jesus, I know my Kentucky Derby. Mind dude. that yeah. bird. So American Pharaoh obviously did win. Justify uh, won in 2018, American Pharaoh in 2015, and affirmed in 1978. Wow. Who can yeah. forget that 78? Got to dig up. <laughs> yeah. Got to dig them up. <laughs> Number four. I'm getting fucking... <laughs> What is the cash take-home for the first place of the Kentucky Derby? A, 1.56 mil, B, 1.86 mil, C, 2.16 mil, or D, 2.36 mil? I'm going to take C. Go with the, the two whatever number two there. Point, 2.16. Right yeah, 2.16. I think it's a little lower because they make most of the money off breeding them. I'm going to go 1.8. 1.86? Chandler Unreal. with another winner on 1.86 is the sucks. correct Let's answer. Go, boy. <laughs> Let's go, boy. Let's go. All right. Should we do derby trivia every week? <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Jesus. Who holds the fastest recorded finish at the Kentucky Derby? Is it A, authenticate, B, spend a buck, C, secretariat, or D, American Pharaoh? Let's just ride with my boy again. We'll go American Pharaoh. I think it is American Pharaoh. I think he was bigger than everybody. The correct answer is Secretariat. Jesus. Finished the race in one minute and 59 seconds. Wow. The That's easy the answer. The OG. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was. I did too. It was. Yeah. 
Big brained it. I okay. didn't brain anything during this quiz, so. Okay, this is a good one here. So number six, what is the largest wager ever placed on a horse to win in the Kentucky Derby? All right. A, 2.4 mil. B, 1.8 mil. C, 2.1 mil. Or D, 3.2 mil. Jeez. Um, I'm going to go A, 2.4. I'm going to send it big, 3.2. The correct answer is A, 2.4 mil. And guess who placed that wager? Mark Mat- Cuban. Mattress Mac. Mattress Mac. No way. There we go. 2021 and his horse finished third. He did not win. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking nuts, dude. All right. Number seven. What is the most consumed food at the Kentucky Derby? A, barbecue sandwiches, B, hot dogs, C, jumbo shrimp, or D, cookies? I got to go hot dog. I got to just go fucking hot dog. I'm going to go, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go barbecue sandwich. Okay. Frank. Let's go. Hot dog is the most consumed food with 142,000 dogs served at the Kentucky Derby. That's unreal. Wow. I actually thought the jumbo shrimp was kind of nuts. 32,000 jumbo shrimps That's a are lot. served. That's a lot. <laughs> Fucking jumbos. I was crushing the grilled cheese. They were pretty solid. And I did a corn dog. Corn you had dog to do. Really I love good. a corn dog, so dude. I, do. I fucking love corn yeah. dogs. Yeah, it was awesome. Felt like the state fair. <laughs> Number eight, we got. How many what? we got of these? Load Jesus. Two more. <laughs> uh, or three. What is the Derby also referred to as a, the big ticket B the dirt track to heaven C the run for the roses or D the horse's dream. Uh, the big ticket C the run for the roses. The answer is C the run for the roses. <laughs> I should have went with horses dream. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the reason they call it that is because the winner is blanketed with, with a, roses yeah. with a 400 rose blanket. Yeah. Big brain. Big brain. Number nine, uh, actually skip that one. Fuck that one's stupid. Okay, let's go right to number ten. What is the largest crowd recorded ever at the Derby? A hundred and seventy thousand. B hundred and eighty thousand. C two hundred and one thousand. Or D hundred and fifty-five thousand. I'm gonna go one hundred and eighty thousand. Oh, I was gonna pick that one seventy. I'll go one seventy is correct. God damn it! I got fucking <laughs> smoked. Seven to two. Yeah. So seven to two. Couple horse fun racing. facts for yeah, you in the derby. Big horse racing guy. Fun fact. My grandfather, Jack Nash, um, was a member of the Michigan Harness Horseman Association. He actually had the top horse uh, as far as trotter horses go um, in the state of Michigan in, I think it was 2007. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, nice. For some reason, I thought this was going to be guys like, ingrained with the horse. I thought you were going to say like 1907. No, he raced him for about 20 years. Started as the jockey trainer, ended up just being the owner. That's awesome. Yeah, amazing. Pretty cool. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, congrats, your your uncle, my grandpa, grandpa. Yep. Congrats, Jack Nash. That's awesome. That's all I got for the Derby boys. Yeah. Uh, always sneaks up on me. I never know when the Derby's coming, and then you know, it's always just here. the first Saturday of May. Should know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, all right. Well, our headline story today, uh, obviously last week, big week for Detroit sports for the most exciting team in the city. We had our NFL draft and it was no shortage of excitement. Holy shit. Watching that draft, whether you liked it, hated it. One of the most entertaining, at least first rounds, maybe ever. 
Maybe ever. Well, it started with Devin Witherspoon. Yes. Because I, I know I was convinced. Lou, I was with you. You were convinced. Frank, I know we talked about it uh, the day before the, the books draft. were convinced. Everyone, everyone was convinced. was convinced that Devin Witherspoon went. So when we got that curveball at number five, that threw a wrench in everything. Well, that was so. I just want to back you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest wrench. That was the gorilla wrench. Yes. the little monkey wrench was uh, Stroud, and then yes. the, and then the trade up for fucking Will A. Yeah, back to back picks. Yep. So right. that. That to me was just like whoa because I did not first I had Stroud going way back so we got those right off the bit and then it was just the wheels came off as you were saying with Witherspoon. Yep, and then obviously the next wrench was what happened at six because we seemed to have the two players that we talked about all throughout the draft process waiting there for us. Whether you were on Team Tyree or Team Jalen, we had both of those guys ready for us, and then ding ding ding. Lions trade to the Cardinals. Bonkers. That was the one time I didn't want us to trade back, to be honest with you. No, I hated it. I tweeted, run to the podium in all caps. Yeah, I mean, I would have been more than excited with Jalen or Tyree at that spot, and that is a fucking beyond defensive need for us. It it truly made no sense at all, uh, especially once I saw Tyree like on camera. like He's... A monster. He's he, huge. Dude, he looked like the fucking king oh. of Wakanda. <laughs> he looked he, he was huge, dude. He looked he looked so cool. He did. Um so I was pretty bummed we didn't get either of those guys. And then of course, um, you know, Jalen Carter goes to a Super Bowl finalist. Right. The Eagles, uh good value there. Um, and then us. So yeah. I, I know we talked about it pre draft. Um, I wanted Bijan Robinson. That was our, our 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 question last week. Was okay. Our top three defenders are gone. Who do you want? I said Bijan. You guys both said Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't think any of us thought that they were going to go running back in the first round, and it wasn't going to be Bijan Robinson. And it was so weird too because until after the draft, everyone was like, "Oh, a lot of a lot of teams had Gibbs ranked higher than Bijan on their board." And it's like I didn't fucking see that anywhere. Did you guys? Is that the game no. though? Is that the game? Maybe. Is that that might be the game? Is that all these teams hide and say, "Hey, we do like Bijan," so that it, it brings a, a better opportunity for their team. Well, to get Jameer, you know. I al- I also read and like this was just known that we didn't like even look at Witherspoon mm-hmm. like publicly. We didn't go to any of his camps. So they didn't have him in for a visit. They didn't even fucking. They played like the. You know, like, I fucking, we hate this guy. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone sniffed it out, or it didn't matter. The Seahawks just wanted him. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that was so fucking crazy. They got two guys we wanted, Smith and uh, and um, Witherspoon, I, Seattle. I think that the, the Lions got picked, their guy got picked in front of them three times in a row. Mm-hmm. So Witherspoon got taken at five. So we made eight out of it and traded back to 12. Um, well, actually, no, I don't anymore after reading everything because it sounded like we absolutely loved Gibbs. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I did think in the moment that we were going to go Skaronsky for sure. Then Tennessee took him right in front of us. Um, and then I thought at 18, since we missed out on Witherspoon, we were going to go Gonzalez and the Pats took him right in front of us. It makes me wonder because I, I heard rumblings pre-draft that what there was four or five guys that we gave a first round grade to. 
Uh, you know, they were only four or five guys that we were really considering. Oh, you're, you're saying of the guys that were taken in the first round? No, like overall, like uh, Holmes came out and said, hey, we've got four or five guys that have graded out as a first round pick on our board. Got it. Were, were the two Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell or were maybe four gone and we picked Gibbs and then we had to take our next best guy at that point, which was Campbell? From everything I've read, it sounds like they were prepared to take Gibbs at six with Witherspoon off the board. Yeah, that's crazy. And, I mean, and, and the, apparently they got thrown a lifeline with that trade from Arizona, which I thought was not great. Like we got the first pick in the second round, or was it like the second we, or third? Yeah, first. Second. So yeah, we got the thirty fourth overall, but we and then we moved back to twelve, but we also gave up our third round pick, our eighty one, right. So I guess we we added a, a newer pick and but like I think he looked at it as it was a straight swap for six to twelve. Right. Because they assumed correctly that Gibbs would be there. Yep. Um, but they didn't want him to get to seventeen, the yeah. Patriots, right? Patriots and I also read the Jets. The yeah, Jets. I saw That's that what too. I read too, but that doesn't they have Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Like, is well, that smoke and mirrors? Well, it also made no sense for us either. Well, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> so so okay, let's just let's talk about this for a little bit because Twitter blew up, group chats blew up, friendships ended. Uh that pick happened. The group of guys I was with, we went dead silent. Um, and there was there was a sense of there was a big I was numb panic. I just felt numb I was panicking I was panicking because right off the rip I hated the pick I hated the pick right off the rip I'm gonna say that um, now after reading for four days like I'll probably buy this guy's jersey before the season starts but that's just how this stuff goes That's right You watch his highlight film about eight times and you're like he's gonna be a weapon for us Yeah I'm already calling him the Gibbler like it's <laughs> it's, it's unreal Um. But, dude, I, I think you're right. Like, I think we had him placed higher than Bijan Robinson, and it sounds like outside of Witherspoon, uh, this was the number two guy that they wanted. Right, right. And then they come back after Jameer Gibbs, and they take Jack Campbell. The most, the most Dan Campbell guy in the world. So Luke Keekley Jr. is what everyone's saying. Don't hate <laughs> the player. Don't like where he was picked. Yep. That seems to be the story. Um, I, I And the worst part about it for me was they said Jack. And I was like, Jackson Smith and Jigba, like we got him. Yes. And then it was like Campbell. Yeah. Linebacker, Iowa. And I'm like. It reminded me of that Key and Peele skit where he's just like Dan Smith, BYU. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, oh, I thought we were going a completely different direction there. Um, Jack Campbell is the most like grit uh organizational guy like they could have ever picked he mm -hmm. hates social media because he thinks it's a distraction um he didn't want to do any nil stuff and then like spent his time in between ncaa and the nfl just like exploring outdoors um and he, i don't hate that at all no i mean this you is know. stuff like this is the grit shit like we love like this guy while i do think we picked him too high according to every board and everything i've read he couldn't define what they're building in Detroit, like, more so. He said he likes wearing the green dot on the back of his helmet because when a play breaks down and something goes wrong, he 
he uh, is prepared for a face full of tobacco, is what he said. He wants like to get tobacco in his eyes from the coaches yelling at him. Spit on Adam. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Jack, for that. Uh, so opposite of the Tigers, the Lions seem to be using analytics a lot. So the, the, the I guess the score that we've been seeing a lot now is the relative athletic score. So people saying, hey, you know, homes inside of the organization, all the draft um, scouts inside of our organization put a lot of emphasis and weight on this relative athletic score. So I started looking it up. It, it obviously gauges your athleticism. And he was ranked sixth out of 2,648 linebackers since 1987. Oh, we're going back to the 80s. So he was the most... Sixth most athletic linebacker coming out of college, relatively speaking, since 1987. I didn't realize how tall he was. And he's 6'4", he's and a he's big what, dude. 250? Yeah. I think, dude, he might even be 260. He is gigantic. He's a big And apparently, so I got 6'5", oh no, you're right, 250. 6'5", mm-hmm. 250. Um, yeah, position rank number two, overall rank 58, 80 graded here. I'm just reading the NFL draft on ESPN. But um, apparently he's really good in coverage. And he's just, uh, he's an absolute, like, you know, quarterback of the defense. Right. It, this was a, and not saying he's not a good player, but we've touched on it. This was a culture fit. And it's apparent, and for the first time in a long time, maybe in my lifetime, I actually see what they're trying to build. I may not agree with it. I may not like every pick that they have. But you can see the plan that Holmes and Campbell are putting into place. And they want guys that fit their culture. They want guys that fit their scheme. And from the outside in, it may not make sense where they pick guys. But it's good to see that they're consistent and that they have what seems to be a plan and certain types of players that they're looking to grab to execute on that plan. This... um. I think that's, you know, very well put. It definitely, the vibes of this draft, like the first three or four picks, actually quite a lot of the picks, like I definitely got this like shuddery Quinn vibe from it. Like this Quinn Trisha, the smartest, smartest, in the room smartest guys in yeah. the room type deal. Um, and so that kind of had me pooping myself quite a bit. Yeah. Um, just, just cause of like, we are shelter dogs as Lions fans. Like, so if anybody was freaking out about this draft or upset about it or didn't immediately like, oh, I, I love, love it, this, I yeah. love it, let's worship Holmes for everything he does, like, that's okay. Like, it, we're fucking not used to having nice things, and when we have nice things, they get taken away. And this this could suck, but we have to give them the leash and, like, trust them with these picks. A hundred percent, and I will say I felt a lot better going to bed Friday night than I did Thursday night. Because I believe yeah. Holmes did better work in the second and third round than he did in the first. Um, I thought the Brian Branch pick was a was a great fucking great pick. pick, and he's the same player as Gardner Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a nickelback. He can play safety. He's he's a Tyron Matthew type position where he can roam throughout the secondary. What made him fall? What what made him fall? Because people know. like because. Because the Lions draft is very odd in the fact that, like, if you rearrange it, you kind of feel a little better about right. it. Um, but I think we're breezing over just, like, I think the uh, the most controversial pick in the whole – well, actually, arguably, Laporta. I'm going to say Laporta. Yeah, I, that was the biggest head-scratcher for me. Yeah. Because Kincaid was gone, but then there was – Mayer was still available. Darnell Washington was still available. 
I, I was a little bit head scratcher on that one. I think I was confused in general that we took a tight end um, just from shipping Hawkinson, you know, shipping Hawkinson to get another Iowa um, tight end, especially maybe not the highest ranked one, uh, just kind of felt like a let's trade Slay to sign Okuda mm-hmm. to, to draft Okuda type deal, like a Quinn move type deal. Um, now, granted, pick uh, 34 is a lot different than pick three. Right. I understand that. Um, and I understand there's contract implications and things like that. But this one, uh, if the other two, if you could like handle the other two kind of throwing you a little bit, this one definitely felt like a little bit of a thud. Right. Yeah. I agree 100%. Um, so you had those two. And then I thought you were going to say this is the most controversial Well, pick. I, I, wanted, I wanted to get uh, the, this the third pick before we got. Okay. Well, to- go into the, the most controversial pick because <laughs> Do it. you drew the line in the sand. You said just a couple weeks ago, Goff's my guy. I if did. I had to get any jersey, it would be a Goff jersey. I did say that. Now we take now Hendon be, Hooker. That's the Gibbler. But. Now it doesn't mean anything per se for Goff. We're already hearing rumblings that they're talking about extending Goff. Like today. Today, yeah. which would make sense, but... What was your initial reaction? Because you have been and you are a golf guy. What was your initial reaction of them taking Hooker early in the third? Well, it was pretty similar to the first fucking three picks of just like, what in the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I will also say with the Laporta pick, and I'll give you my Hooker thoughts in a second, but I kind of thought we were taking Will Levis until Tennessee took him right in front of us. That could have happened. Like, and the fact that we did take Hendon Hooker kind of makes me think we were going to go Will Levis there. Um, But that's all speculation. The Hendon Hooker draft pick, I guess to me, is it was the fifth pick of our draft. um, And the fifth pick of our draft being a lottery ticket, if you look at it from 20,000 feet like that, I think is great. Um, We needed a backup quarterback. He could potentially be serviceable as a backup quarterback. One thing I did not know about him was that he's like two years younger than golf. He's, he's 26 and golf is 28. So that's where it's a little weird where it's basically like by the time his rookie deals done, he'll be 30 and like him and golf just might be like working together this whole time. But, um, we got a backup. We have a lottery ticket and we potentially have, trade bait if we need it with either one of the quarterbacks now maybe yep so it kind of blew my mind um but then again i didn't expect to take a running back first i didn't expect to take a linebacker before the first round and i didn't expect uh to go tight end then quarterback so that was kind of the pick where i just had to stop trying to make sense of anything yeah i mean i honestly i was okay with the hooker pick like he was a Heisman candidate before he got hurt. He beat the doors off of Alabama when he was at Tennessee. So he he was beating good teams. I know he's a little bit older, but hey, maybe he's a little bit more mature now. We don't have to worry about him pulling a JMO on us, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and he and he's in the he's in the lab. He's studying. Worst case, like we ride out golf for two or three years. We have Hooker for we sign him to a two or three year deal and and see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I've spent hours watching film hundreds if not thousands but I think my biggest head scratcher was the second pick of the third round and it wasn't the player it was us moving up first and foremost is Holmes on the phone with these GMs for a week straight going into the draft I don't think there's a more active GM in the draft with how many times we traded 
we got that Hendon Hooker pick. How many times did we trade down to get to that pick? It was Two, crazy. three times. We obviously traded down to get Jameer Gibbs. He's so active, but why I was a little surprised, I get it. We needed a D lineman. Um, Brad Holmes has speaking, spoken highly about this Broderick Martin, who seems like a Jordan Davis-type D tackle, big run stuffer, probably a two-down guy as opposed to a three-down guy. But why I'm scratching my head is we gave up number 122, number 139, number 169. Arguably where Holmes has done the most damage in his tenure. Amon Ross St. Brown, James Houston, Malcolm Rodriguez. I just, I like him getting more opportunities to take players in that position of the draft rather than trade up for a guy who's going to play two downs for us unless you're really high on him. Um, But Take two defensive linemen out of those three picks. I trust Brad Holmes enough to hit on one of them in that fourth, fifth, sixth round range. Well, so when you said the most controversial pick, I thought you were going to talk about this one. Mm Because this one is way weirder to me than Hendon Hooker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Traded three guys to move up to um, pick 96 to get uh, a lineman from Western Kentucky. Right. This was the one where I'm just like, this was the worst pick to me. If if I had to, you know, pick which one is going to be the most regrettable, it's this one. Why did we give up so much to get this guy? And it really seems like he was going to be there for maybe a couple more picks. Yep. Um, and it was just weird that, like, we figured we needed to address, uh, you know, the, the line. We needed a defensive tackle, and we could have had a big dog, and we end up trading three picks, just like you said, for – what. Like Broderick Martin, it's, right. it's just an absolute, like, it is a head-scratcher. Yeah. I mean, the pick after that was a head-scratcher, too. Colby Soresdale from William & Mary. Like, was he seeing a lot of action <laughs> at William & Mary coming off the edge? Like, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I think all in all, I'm a little confused at uh, our lack of urgency to take a D lineman because I think we all agreed going into this, that was maybe our biggest area of need. I like they took a linebacker. I personally like that they took a running back. But like you said, Frank, you wait till 96 and then you trade up several assets in order to get a D lineman when you had so many chances. You had five picks prior to that. Yeah. In order to take a D line. Could have had Cansey. Yeah, you could have had Cansey. Um, you could have had. I mean, you could have had. Whoever you want. Jalen Carter. Carter, Tyree. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's just. That's the only thing I have. I mean, all in all, I think all the pundits are saying the right things. I don't think you give, you know, Holmes worse than a C plus or B minus if you don't like it. And I don't think he gets better than a B plus if you do like the draft. The shock factor though was off the charts. Yes. And oh, if yeah. if this if if the fucking Lions finished five and whatever last year, and if this was Quinn and Patricia, we would be screaming. Yes. We would be losing our minds. And I will say uh, moment of vulnerability watching this draft because I was freaking out. Round one, I just, it was nothing of what the fuck I expected. And I was just having this moment of like, what if we just got really hot for half a season and everyone got really excited and we're actually just like frauds and like we're just going to go right back to the basement because this is built wrong. And I had this moment of just like absolute panic and fear. So I have to share that with fans. I wasn't like trust Holmes no matter what. It wasn't an Iserman situation with me. This one scared the shit out of me, but the more you read, 
The more you look at it, and you have to trust Holmes, he's wearing the fucking gold chain with the Campbell sweater, and he says... Villain sweater. Wearing the villain sweater. He says, we don't play scared, we don't draft scared. And it's like, fuck it. That was a dick on the table quote. Yes. Knocking the podium over with his his huge hog. Hey, (laughs) go get your guy. Right. You know what I mean? Your guy is your guy. You have to trust your guy. I'm going to quote that GM from back in the 90s. Who the hell is Mel Kuyper anyway? Yeah. <laughs> because who the hell is he? He said Jimmy Clausen was the next best thing. So you can't just go off of McShay and Mel Kuyper. Go get your guy. Be confident. And at the same time, like you said, let's be real. We were 6-2 and two the last eight games last year. We weren't shit before that. We're not there yet, so I can't say we're in the NFC Championship game, and we're also not the same old Lions. We're somewhere in between right now, and we won't know until we kick off in September where we actually lay. It just, like you said at the start of this, it feels like we have a plan and a purpose, and if, like, we do go crashing and burning, it's at least Holmes's way with someone with a real vision to do it. Yep. And it does feel like this is the first time there's some cohesiveness between head coach, GM, and owner. Amen. Believe it or not. Amen. Um, so just going over some stupid graves, NFL.com gave us a C plus, uh, PFF gave us a B plus, Fox gave us a B plus, and CBS gave us an A. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter Fuck at all. analytics. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, but yeah, excited to see what these guys can do. And man, uh, as much as I didn't like the pick at all, uh, Dude, Gibbs is going to be probably Electric. probably a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I did want to mention Swift is gone. Obviously, Swift goes to Philly, which is a little bit interesting. Would have loved to see him go to, like, the AFC and someone not good. Um, and I think what was a little disheartening or scary for just, you know, like an average fan, like, is just to see Philly kind of do exactly what we wanted to do. Um, as far as getting like Jalen Carter and then they go and get Swift and it's like, then they well, get Nolan too. Yeah, they get Nolan and you're kind of like looking like, well, if Philly, this arguably a top three team, top two team in the NFL is doing this, you know, like we got to be doing something wrong. Right. You know, it wasn't like the, like the fucking Texans had that kind of draft type deal, you know, it was Philly. So you're looking at it like a little jealous. I mean, we're going to have to lay in the bed that we made yeah. because, uh, the NFC runs through Philly. Everyone knows that. Um, we have to be prepared to beat Philadelphia this year, even if that doesn't happen. Um, but at the end of the day, I agree with you, Frank. You got to keep him away. You got to take a lesser offer to keep him away from competition, in my opinion, because yeah. he's so valuable there. And the other factor of it's his hometown on a contract year. You got to think that there's a fire lit under Swift's ass in a backfield that's a backfield by committee. <sighs> and their number one going into the draft was. Richard always hurt Penny. Yeah, and it's pretty fucking wild that, uh, you know, Williams and Swift was talked about as like a top combo in the NFL, and like we just we just swapped them out. <laughs> Go Lions! Yeah, dude, I'm excited. It'll be great. All right, been a good show so far. We have a new segment for you guys. Uh, probably not the best built for a podcast or radio, so we're gonna take a little video here, try to work through it, but. Uh, we're going to, we're going to do a new segment called snack time. That's it. That's the name of it. Snack time. So we're rotating between guys to bring a snack every week. We're going to try it live on the air here. So this week, uh, Lou brought the snack. We have no clue what it is. No idea whatsoever. 
I haven't been taking a video, by the way. So I just started mine. Okay, <laughs> just started. All right, yeah. All right, well, I'm just gonna stop this and then we'll flip it. Okay. We can do the audio. Okay. So, Lou, why don't you grab the snack out of the bag here? Let's see what we got. Let's remember, we have not seen this Let yet, folks. Let me bust folks. out the old snack here. We have not seen Uh-oh. it. All right. Lou said, ooh, oh my Takis. God. Takis, but what kind? Blue Heat Takis. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, hold it right there. Ew. What, so, what is it? read the description for me. Like, does it describe what Blue Heat means? Is it, it hotter it than the front? regular Takis, or...? Doesn't say, it doesn't, yeah, this one says extreme heat on the side. I see that. So, um, it doesn't really have like a na- like a definition or anything about like what it, what it actually is. It's, it's made in a lab, obviously. Yeah. Frank, <laughs> you look mortified. Are you a hot person guy or like, you're like, like shaking right now? Dude, no, I'm not. A, I, like, I like don't eat hot foods and like, I'm just seeing the meter on the side and like, dude, Yes, it's like terrifying me. All right, so blue fucking Takis. Did you bring a, did you bring a bag for all of us? Or no, just I one? just got one and I'll ass? pass them out. <laughs> oh my Snack God. time at kindergarten. All right, let me get the camera on me again here. All right, hold on. God, if anybody knows a videographer, might need you soon. All right, cool. So I'm back on cam. You guys are on cam? Yeah, I'm, I'm on, on cam. cam. I can't believe we're passing these out. Yeah, this yeah, is hilarious. Yeah. All right. Look at that bag opening. Holy shit. That's All right. what the kind of inside looks like. A little scary. Holy shit. A little yeah. scary. I'm going to grab a handful here and then swing it around a channel. You're going to do a handful? I did like four. Okay. I want to burn my fucking here. mouth off. Look at Frank's so for, like wiping his hand. <laughs> I got all nervous. <laughs> crying i'm like writing my obituary uh all right yeah so let's take a look at these things really quick before we jump in them it says new look same intensity blue heat hot chili pepper artificially flavored tortilla chips dude i'll be honest i don't even know if i've ever had takis like period wow i've only had them like once they're great yeah are they oh they're great are they like flaming hot cheetos Yes, the well, regular like Takis are flavors, very comparable. Right? Are they like broke-ass Flamin' Hot Cheetos? No, they're good. Okay. Takis are legit. They had like five or six flavors there. <laughs> this was the last, this was actually the last bag of the Blue Heat. Had I was like, these? I gotta get had these. Had you seen these before? Never, never Frank seen them. got a whiff of smelling salt over there. Dude, yeah, so they're they're pretty hot. You can kind of feel it right on the bag. All right, um, so Blue Heat Takis, and uh, you should probably think of some sort of rating system. We can just jump into it and figure it out. Okay. All right, All right boys, here we go. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. boys. Yeah, cheers to first snack time. I'm going to go doubled up, too. I can feel it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think they're that hot. No, they're not. No, they're really not. Maybe it's an after feel. There's really like not a flavor to them. No, it kind of just tastes like a uh, like a Frito Lay, like one of the uh, yeah. Can't think of the name. They're, they're getting they're getting warm. No, yeah, they're extremely <laughs> they're extremely dusty. A little delayed. Yeah, I look like a fucking like I just jacked they're, off a Smurf. No, you know like <laughs> Grandpa Smurf. It's like dusty, dude. You know when you like. Get the most dusty Dorito in the bag. Yeah. That's this with every one of them. They're not bad. They no, got a little heat on the after, on the kick. But I kind of think they suck. Yeah, they're not like nowhere near extreme heat, I would say. Yeah, I would like... You can definitely... What's the shit that's on the chips? What is it like? MSGs or like whatever they're called? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like that's just doused in them. Like oh, the only yeah. reason I want more is because like I'm chemically being told that I want more <laughs> of those. All right, so... Hot meter and good meter. Okay. Do hot. Okay. Hot and good. 
two separate meters, Frank. You're well, do you want to do? Do you want to do like a scale, like a one yeah. to ten? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So on a one to ten of just like snacks, this is you know gas station snack. I'm giving that a. I'm giving that a three. Wow. I, I thought it sucked. I think they suck. I will never okay. buy those in my life. Wow. I don't think they're that bad. Really? Mm. Yeah, no. I I would give them. They have like no flavor. They they're dusty as all hell. They're hot and they turn your mouth blue. Like it's just like you got to like take a shower after <laughs> eating them. <laughs> your whole mouth is blue. Your whole mouth is blue. Like we're fucking adults. We're thirty years old. It's Kool Aid season, baby. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. This might be the official snack now. Okay. Oh yeah. So Frank gave it a three out of ten. Lou, what, what are you, you giving it? What about your hot meter? Are we going to go around for yeah, that? Yeah, one he again? can go hot meter too. He's like I'm, sweating over there, so no, don't believe I'm, him, folks. I'm a huge pussy with this too, but it's. I mean, I'm going to go same scale. Like I'm going to say two even. Like the, the like two. I don't even think these are that hot. Like at all. Okay. Okay, that's fair. I guess if I ate a whole bag, they would be okay. Maybe not two. I'll give it a four. Okay. I'll give it a four. Okay. Fair enough. Um, from a, a snack standpoint, I'm going to give it a. I'll give it a six. I think okay. they're they're serviceable. I don't know. If I'm gonna I'm like ever gonna crave one, but like I would eat them if I if they were around me. Um, on the hot meter, I'm not a huge hot person, but I I think there's really like when you're eating it, it doesn't taste that hot. There's a little on the after blow, but um, after blow, I would give <laughs> after you beat off the Smurf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be careful of the after blow. Uh, I would give it like a I'd say a five. I'd say average heat. Okay. Not too much on the after blow for me. I would say on the the meter of snacks, I like the Fuego, the red ones, better than the cool heat blue ones. I'm going to go 5 out of 10 on the goodness scale, and I'm going to go... Four out of ten on this the heat scale. Fucking guys, Frank's like I don't now. like them. He's, <laughs> he's dick deep in them because I think I'm chemically being told. I think it's like nicotine. And this this was the last bag, so people are fucking eating these things. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's clamoring for the blue. Talking. Oh, dude, mm-hmm. these are huge. Dude, everything's blue. Mm-hmm. Like instantly, your both of your mouths are just blue. Yeah. <laughs> dude, Not people, bad. Some no. people hate chewing and like. This might going to be a bad segment for that. It's like, uh, what is that called? Mukbang? What? Mukbang or ASMR, where oh, yeah. those people just like chew with a microphone in their mouth heard, open chewers. I've never, heard yeah. of, I've never heard of mukbang. No. Yeah, mukbang, I think, is uh, very, very similar to that. All right, well. Not bad. I think just kind of your average snack. Yeah. You know? Minus yeah. the Honolulu Blue, baby. I might buy more just for that. Yeah, we might have to eat a bag of those before week one. <laughs> All right, so that was snack time. We're going to wrap up with our... Uh, Two last things here. Um, yeah, you can hit the cameras. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, dude. So there's so, there's after so, blow. <laughs> dude, they're so dusty. They're like the dustiest snack I've ever had. Okay. Um, we're getting a mailbag here. So putting questions on the Instagram story. Listeners are asking questions for us to answer. We appreciate you reaching out. Um, so let's, there's only six this week. They're pretty quick. What are you guys Cotton doing? candy fingers, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, it like disables you here. I mean, I kind of blew my nose yeah. with this. I'm good. I licked mine. Fuck it. Yeah, good. Yeah, touch the equipment. Raw dogged it. Oh, yeah. After blew it. All right. Good. The Takis are good. Okay. So first question we got asked this week. Thought it was I don't know, kind of funny. Someone just said, uh, thoughts on the Muppets. This one comes from Vinny. Uh, thoughts on the Muppets. I'll lead off here. I think the Muppets are hilarious. Uh, I actually am a big fan of the Muppets. I've seen a couple of the movies. Saw one in theaters. Um, 
in college. That was like the funniest experience of my life. So I'm a Muppets fan. Um, I'd say my favorite Muppets are probably uh, who do I, like? I like those old guys. I like those old guys. That Kermit. Are, Kermit's cool. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. kind of a chalk answer, but right? Yeah, I like the old the old guys that like argue in the balcony. You know what I'm talking arr, about? Arr, 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 arr. Yeah, yeah, I do, but I don't know their name. Yeah, me neither. I like those two and Animal. Animal's pretty cool too. I'm not a Muppets guy. I never have been a Muppets guy. I hang around a lot of Muppets in my life. I was life, just gonna so say hilarious. I like calling people fucking Muppets. I think it's, a, yeah. I think it's a hilarious <laughs> church. Yeah, so I'm not a big Muppets guy other than my group of friends. Yeah, I'd have to follow suit, you fucking Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's uh, it's a funny chirp. Okay, uh, you guys are MLB superstars. What is your at-bat wa- at bat walkout song? Oh, man. Wow. At-bat walkout song right now? Um, gosh, this is a tough question. I'm going to go with uh, Gucci Mane Lemonade. Wow. Wow, I'm going to go with... Fuck, this is tough. I'm going to go with Crazy Bitch by Buck Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome. What do you do? You not use gloves and have pine tar all over your back? I think bat that's what too? he's imagining. Yeah. yeah. Real, real Jack Campbell shit. Um, I think I'm going to go. Hmm. I'll go. Uh, I'll go Big Pimpin' by Jay Z. Oh, okay. I okay. get people going. Um, question there. Will the Leafs choke again against the Panthers? Answering my own question 100% they will. Um, yeah, I'm taking Panthers. Panthers in seven over the Leafs. Go go Pan, daddies. Go Cats. I hate to say it, but I got the Leafs. Yeah, I bet you do. Um, is Bert coming back? This is Rachel again. She's asked this every week. <laughs> Bert is not coming back. He's never coming back. Sorry. Um, sorry, Rachel. You got to kiss him goodbye. I'm sorry. I just I don't see in any world where he comes back. I, I, uh, I hate to break it to you. Um, what Detroit team wins the next playoff game, series, and championship? Um. Lions. 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 All three. Lions. Lions. Baby. All three. Dylan. Yeah. Dylan. Dylan. I mean, you kind of have to, Taki right? Blue Heat. Because like, if you answer anything else, you're just saying the Lions aren't going to do it this year, and I'm not throwing that out the window. Me neither. Yeah. Lions. Yeah. All Lions. the above. I agree. Um, if Lou is out killing bugs one week, can I be on an episode? Maybe. If you behave yourself, Chris. Um, so that's it. That's mailbag. That's mailbag. That was electric. Let's move into over-under and call the show. What do you guys say? Let's Sounds do it. Good. Sweet. All right, Jerry sent him again this week. Jerry is two months from being a father, so congrats to him. Good luck to him. All of that. But he's still doing the job for the Fizz podcast. He called the subject. He normally calls it over-unders. He called it over-undies this week. So Ooh, he's, okay. he's feeling kind of silly. Ooh. Yeah, over-undies. All right, Lou, we're going to lead with you. Okay. Great lead off here. First one on the list, Camel Crush Sigs. Wow. Camel Crush Sigs. When I uh, started my cigarette journey, that was one of my go-to Sigs. I have to say underrated. Not only do you get to enjoy a couple puffs of a regular Sig, you crack the ball, you get a little menthol kick at the end. Underrated. Blast from the past. Perfectly said. Might have been my first cigarette was a Camel Crush. Underrated. Yeah, never forget where I was having my first camel crush up at Michigan State. It was insane when someone showed me you could crush that fucking ball, and it just was like fucking pop rocks, but for adults with cancer. So uh, underrated, for sure. Uh, number two, Chandler, Kwame Kilpatrick, former mayor of Detroit. Wow, Kwame. Kwame Kilpatrick is underrated. Wow. And why do I say he's underrated? No mayor in the history that I'm aware of is as iconic. Maybe Jerry Springer, RIP, is as iconic as Kwame Kilpatrick. But, like, he's the cover boy of corruption. 
Um, he is, he was the city of Detroit. Um, he was the face of the city of Detroit and a lot of the bad things that were happening in the city of Detroit. So with that, I just think he was an iconic mayor. And for that reason, I believe he's underrated. Um, I just, yeah, he was the rattiest, snakiest, most two-faced, pretty boy lying mayor there ever was. I mean, he was like stealing navigators at one point. Uh, he's, he's overrated. He, he kind of put, he stole so much from Detroit and then he made Detroit, he made our reputation worse than it already was. And it was kind of like, Oh, well that's expected. He's the mayor of Detroit, which is not how Detroit should be represented. Um, I know you're kind of tongue in cheek in a Chandler. So fuck Kwame Kilpatrick overrated. (laughs) What do do you say? It's interpretation of the question. (laughs) Absolutely. Always. It's always, it's like art. This is an art. Yep. This is art. Give me some more Takis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll follow suit. Frank, overrated the city's already been down bad we don't need more fucking shit taken away and he like gave us hope which was like worse yeah people loved him um number three i'm a monopoly um you know i i should say it's overrated because i haven't played in 100 years but like i've wanted to play again i feel like i haven't played since i was a kid and i want to know what it's like to actually play that game as an adult so i'm going to say underrated just because how iconic of an American board game it is. Coolest pieces in the game. I got like an NHL version one. I got a MLB version one. So cool. Just, it looks cool. What an iconic game. Underrated. Um, I'll follow that as well. Great board game. That, um, yeah, is a great fucking board game. I was sorry, I lost my train of thought, but Monopoly, Risk, and Clue are my top three board wow. games. So uh, I'm going to have to say underrated. Both, all three of those games take like three days to play. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm going to be the contrarian just from the sense of um, how long it takes to finish a game of Monopoly. I just don't have that time anymore. Monopoly is overrated. Risk literally takes like as long as wars take. You have to like leave the board and come back to it the next I, day. I played my dad for like an entire summer. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a part of Florida by the time it was all done. <laughs> Uh, number th- four, skydiving, skydiving me. Um, I've never done it. It is on the to-do list for me. I am a, a little bit of that adrenaline junkie you could say. So I do want to try it underrated. Yeah. Let's plummet down to earth out of an airplane from about 15,000 feet above the ground. Uh, I'm all set on that. I don't do well with my stomach dropping on roller coasters. I can't imagine dropping out of the sky and trusting someone that I'm sitting on his lap. Um, skydiving is overrated. Absolutely overrated. Um, I'm scared of heights straight up scared of heights would never jump out of a plane. I think there was like a small window from 18 to 22 where I would have jumped right out of a fucking plane. Those, Without a shoot. Those you yeah, right. <laughs> that ship is sailed. Uh, no chance skydiving overrated. Um, number five earrings on guys, earrings on guys. Oh man, this is a tough <laughs> one because I, I personally never had an earring on a guy. I don't feel like I would look good with an earring on a guy, but when you can rock a hoop earring like Zion has right now, the thick hoop earring, the Barry Bonds where the cross is dangling off of his ear, if you can rock it, it is underrated. Um, you actually took the take. First thing I thought of was just like, first knee jerk was just like, that's so overrated. Like, Remember in high school, like a few guys like got earrings and you're, did yeah. you have fucking earrings? Fuck no. I, I would have like, ripped them out of his I would yeah. look like the biggest loser with earrings <laughs> too. So I had that thought, but then I thought of like Barry Bonds, like all juiced up, hitting danglers into the water. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to follow suit with your take. 
If you can pull it off, underrated. But for for ninety nine percent of the guys out there, overrated. Yeah, overrated. I could never rock an earring. I couldn't even imagine looking at myself. I actually almost <laughs> got wild and got a Native American feather earring one time, wasted in Ann Arbor. But wow. that's a story for a different day. Yeah, that's one way to close the show. We're going to open with feather earring in Ann Arbor. <laughs> wasted or high after bash bash or, or whatever like you just week. went to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this was like... Now, a long time ago, and all the above, Chandler. <laughs> a feather dangler in Green Dot Stables after Ann Arbor. I wanted to be like a Navajo, you know what I mean? All right, we're getting, we're telling some lines. Okay, boys, thanks for everyone listening this week. We appreciate you being here. We hope you survived the draft. We hope every one of your Kentucky Derby picks hits, unless it's betting against one of ours. Uh, have a great, safe, nice weekend. Weather's about to break. If you are listening on Spotify, please rate it five stars. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please write a review and rate five stars. And then the number one thing you can do to support us is share the podcast with a friend. If you're listening right now, hit that share button, send them a text, say, hey, give these guys a listen. I think they're entertaining. Or, hey, if you hate listen to it, hate listen to us, tell them we suck and tell them how comically bad we are. Either way, we appreciate the share as we try to grow this thing every week. Thank you, guys. We will see you next week. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Get a margarita Friday. Peace. See ya. You fuck so good, I'm on top of it When I dream, I'm doing you all night Stretches all down my back to keep me right on Hey, y'all crazy bitch But you fuck so good, I'm on top of it When I dream, I'm doing